Greetings, and welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe Inlow. You don't hear our familiar music because we're in the midst of some equipment changes, and we haven't got that part hooked up yet. So this episode will not have our opening closing music from Deanna and our commentary from Deanna. But we would like you, to, if you need to get in touch with us, you can email me, Joe, at jinlow at godslovelanguage.com. And I'd be glad to hear from you. Even if it's just to say hello, please do it. So, I am Joe. I am your host. I hope this episode finds you doing well and growing in your relationship with God. This is a podcast designed to disciple devoted followers of God and Jesus. Currently, we are teaching about the five basic relationships of the Bible. Those are the individual, the individual's relationship with God, the couple and God, the parents with God, the child and God, and finally, the sibling and God. And, of course, all those interact with each other. Uh, those are the, fir- the, the relationships that, that were developed in order of creation in the, in the Bible. We began our last episode, which was episode 33, talking about the couple, and we continue that relationship this month. Last month, we emphasized how men and women are equal in value and dignity in God's eyes. This month, we continue with how we navigate the two individual Operating the two individuals operating as a one flesh by emphasizing the purpose of a marriage. God's plan is for humans to operate on earth as we would in heaven. Remember, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, that part includes to hear his voice, do his will, and bring glory to his name. That is why it is so vitally important to have your individual relationship with God the best it can humanly be. As a couple, you bring both of your relationships with God together to accomplish God's purpose. And those purposes are to be fruitful and multiply, have dominion of the earth or on the earth, make further disciples by impacting others, and preparing to raise your children to continue the colonization, if I can say, of the fallen world for God. You are to bring up young disciples and make their lives a little bit easier by what you teach them. God gave us five ministry skills to help us do this. That's basic training. They are the offices of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the preacher, and the teacher. Everyone has a measure of each of these gifts and attributes or attributes of each office, especially when it comes to growing and discipling your spouse and family. Your individual relation with God should, or your relationship with God should have prepared you for entering a marriage. That's what it's all about, the purpose of the family, to bring you up, that you can continue this on. But when you get married, now, to use these attributes and gifts, you learn them as individuals, and then you carry them over and, and develop them even further when you get married. If you were married prior to becoming a Christian— or if you became a, you just became serious about your Christian walk after you were already married, that is okay. It will just take a little more work on you and your spouse's part, but you can get there. All right, the merging of two different personalities is not the simplest of tasks, especially in the biblical model. We have so many incorrect models out there that are put forth by the by the media, all the movies that you watch, and books. And online, but if done correctly, it will be the most rewarding because marriage is God's design if you do it by the biblical model. It isn't a random idea. It has a purpose, and it's and is part of the plan of God to teach you how to operate in the spiritual life here on earth. 
You need a God-centered worldview to accomplish it correctly. Remember, as we say here at God's Love Language, it's not about you, but about the will and purpose of God. But you can reap the benefits. And let me tell you my story. Some of you may have heard about it in one of the first episodes, but I didn't go into this detail. I met my first wife, yes, my first wife, while in the fifth grade. We started dating in the eighth grade. I was totally consumed with her and her physical features. I ignored any signs that she may not be a good match for me. In fact, she wasn't even a Christian. I accepted Jesus about the same time we started dating in the eighth grade, about 13 years of age, and I had wanted to, in a, based on that salvation, I wanted to devote my life to the Lord. But my then-girlfriend got more of my attention than God. In fact, I thought she was an answer to prayer. Imagine that. Dating when you are too young to drive means you just meet over at her house or somewhere in between, or you get someone to drive you somewhere. Keep in mind that my first wife was 14 months older than myself. Her family traveled as migrant workers across the country when she was younger. This caused her to miss enough school that she was held back, and that is how we ended up in the same grade, fifth grade. We continued dating until I was 16 and able to obtain my driver's license. That began a phase of dating that would eventually lead to an advanced physical contact between us. I would either rent my brother's car or or borrow my dad's for, for dates until I eventually got my own. Well, one thing led to another, and after our first physical intimate encounter, she became pregnant. That was 1972, and there was still a great, good deal of embarrassment when a situation like this occurred. So I did what I thought was the honorable thing and godly thing, and we got married. Yes, at 16, I was married. There I was, a 16-year-old boy married to an 18-year-old woman, a woman that was not interested in my Christian lifestyle, at least not to the extent that I was. Now, let me stop here for a moment and dissect this behavior, which is not uncommon among teenagers. First, for you parents and future parents, the statistics say that if a couple, including teenagers, has been dating two years or more, it is highly likely that they are having coitus or intercourse. This prediction held true for us. Second, anytime you put your love interest before God's calling for your life, you are destined to for hard times as a Christian. You have heard me teach on this for most of the previous 33 episodes. I took control of my dating life. I was not, I took control of my dating life. I was not mature enough as a Christian to understand that God must be in control of my life, all of my life, even my dating life. This is a mistake that most young Christians make, especially in the United States and other Western cultures, where dating is the norm. And great, dating is not a biblical idea. Third, when with her not being a Christian, we were unequally yoked, which is not advised in the Bible, and would be the eventual downfall of our marriage, mainly because I was immature as a Christian and a teenager, so I didn't know what to do. I was a Christian dating a non-Christian. I was wanting to lead our dating time, an eventual marriage, in a Christian lifestyle, but she wouldn't have that. She had other plans. She was the oldest of seven seven siblings and had to care for them while her parents worked second jobs at night to make ends meet. Eventually, she was made to drop out of high school to be available to take care of them during the day. She claims that she missed out on her later teenage years, something that is unique to our types of culture. 
the teenage years like that. And so she wanted to be able to party and have a good time now that she was out of her home environment and out from under the control of her parents. Now, mistakenly, I felt sorry for her and wanted to please her, thinking that was my responsibility to her as a husband. So, uh, as I understood later, my first responsibility and accountability are to God. But even if the choice seems hard at the time, when we do the will of God, things will always work out for us. It may take a while, but it would be evident in what God would bring about. But we want immediate gratification, and I wasn't willing or didn't understand how to wait. Let me say this at this point. Yes, God does teach us life lessons, and eventually we become who we are because of our experiences. However, we don't have to go through every hurt that we do to be where God can use us. God prefers that we don't suffer and hit rock bottom before we understand our calling in Him. We can still learn valuable lessons through living the devoted Christian life. Amen? Okay, back to my story. My first wife and I got heavily involved in a disco scene, and church wasn't even really a second thought, although my core beliefs kept me from committing more sin than I did, thank God. Having gotten married so young, we were both trying to make up for the times we had missed as older teenagers. At least that is what our selfish viewpoint would tell us. Living your life in congruence with the fallen world is in direct opposition to the call and purposes God has for us, which is living your life in congruence with God's will. A fallen, sinful worldview will condemn anything you try to do in God's will or for God's will, including thinking godly thoughts. If you heard our episode three about cognitive dissonance, you understand this concept. Your thoughts are cognitive processes. Your beliefs must be congruent with your behaviors. If not, You experience cognitive dissonance, which is a state of imbalance that causes anxiety. The only way to relieve this state of imbalance is to bring your thoughts or beliefs into congruency with your behavior. In my case, I chose to change my thoughts. I put God aside and told myself that we deserved to have fun in the world because we had missed out on so much as older teenagers. We deserved to be happy. The thing is, we weren't happy. And we were on a slippery slope heading down a path of destruction. After all, that is exactly what the enemy tries to do to all marriages. Another factor that contributed to our struggles were the birth of our three sons. One month after turning 20, our third son was born. So essentially, my wife went from having to take care of six siblings to taking care of three small children of her own. Plus, be a military wife because... You know, in the military, you you have extended periods of time in which you're gone. And so this meant she had the, the majority of the parenting task also, also. So she really didn't get away from having to take care of other kids and not being able to live uh, what she, the way she wanted. Our lifestyle led us to believe that we could do whatever we thought we could or whatever we thought might bring us happiness, including eventually adultery. I committed adultery first, but she eventually followed. We hung on a few years together, and then in 1981, we officially called it quits, and in May of 1982, we became officially divorced. I was given full custody of our three boys, mainly because she did not want to be a full-time mother anymore. Her past had now fully caught up with her, and she was determined to live a life or live her lifestyle the way she wanted and and to make up for what she had missed out on. She visited the boys a couple of times between 1982 and 1985. Then she disappeared for 
approximately 35 years, having no contact with us or her family of origin. It was in, 19, in 2020 that uh, before we heard from her again, she was ill and in a healthcare facility in Sacramento, California. She was legally blind or almost legally blind as a result of complications from diabetes and was told that she did not have long to live either. She contacted me after, after she unsuccessfully tried, which I didn't know at the time, was trying to pass things up with her boys. She had gotten a hold of them, or at least one of them. She admitted that she had no excuse for her behavior except to gratify her own desires. Her attempt to connect with the boys never worked out. She would die in 2020. Excuse me, she would die in 2021, never meeting her eight grandchildren or talking face-to-face with her adult children. The only consolation is the fact that she had become a Christian in her later years and that she was sure she would see them in heaven, her boys and grandchildren. Now, our marriage serves as an example that individuals need to avoid if possible, but I know, and the odds are, that you know at least one couple, if not several couples, that have similar stories. If we as Christians put God in charge of our lives like we should, seek the desires of God for our lives and trust in Him, we can avoid most of the pitfalls. I share this personal story to show you how easy it is to get lost in the worldly temptations and desires. We think we're here for our own glory and, and satisfaction, but we're not. We're here for a purpose. The only way to avoid mistakes like ours is to give ourselves to God's will, put Him first, and know that His this life as a human belongs to Him. This is why it's so important to live for God as a single individual, marry another committed individual, and then raise your children in a godly environment. This is the purpose for the family, to raise and demonstrate what, what total commitment to God looks like to our children, even in a sinful world. We first become a disciple, then we marry another disciple, then we raise disciples to send them into the world to do the same. All the while, we continue to learn and grow in our relationship and fellowship with God and each other. True one flesh. As a reminder, I have discussed marriage and one flesh relationships in previous episodes, as well as how you should treat and understand the opposite sex. You should have the basic understandings before you get married. If you are already married, then you must be open to casting off old beliefs and then believing God's way of doing things. If you have had a traumatic childhood or adolescence or even adulthood, please start at episode one of my teachings. We help you deal with some of those things. Get the healing that God offers before committing yourself to another. If you are just now becoming a Christian and you are currently married, listen to those episodes, listening to all those other episodes will also help you. Your spouse must be willing to help you walk through the change process. And the Holy Spirit will help change them too if they're not changed. So here we are, ready to begin our married life or to begin allowing God to be the center of our marriages. I will refer back to episodes 24 and 25 during the next two episodes. That is where we have the expanded definitions of the fivefold ministries of teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. Remember, as Christians, the attributes are and characteristics of each office of the fivefold ministry will be needed to navigate the world in which we live as a Christian. Hopefully you have learned and used these gifts in your personal walk with Jesus, and now it is time to use them to help your marriage become all that it is intended to be. These characteristics and attributes help you become successful in every aspect of your life here on earth. 
It is because God ordained them those attributes and those characteristics. Besides having a devoted life to God, they are true keys to successful Christian living. They help polish your marriage and any other relationships you have. Remember, God used these offices to build the foundation of his church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. You and your marriage are a portion of the body of Christ and benefit from them also. You benefit directly. All right, how do we use these gifts in a marriage? Well, to tell you the truth, those of you who are newly married should have begun using them while you were engaged, if not sooner. Those who are making the changes to an existing marriage can begin now. If you are new to this podcast, please see episodes 24 and 25 before proceeding with this episode. They will make this easier to understand. The first office and gifting we talk about are the abilities of a teacher. Keep in mind that teaching involves the basic characteristics of communication. So when I say teaching, I also mean communication. It is the foundation of the other four offices. Most of your communication in life is teaching, no matter how simple. You teach when you tell someone where you're going, what you want to eat or drink, when you are mad or happy, what movie you want to watch, and so on. Jesus' first interactions with disciples, his disciples, involved teaching and communication. Without this, they would have never understood their mission. The teacher is the basic qualification for all offices of fivefold ministry. All of them need to be able to teach. I would also argue that you shouldn't get married until you have the ability to teach the things the Lord has taught you. I don't mean that you must get a teaching degree or be an expert at making lesson plans or have a Ph.D. I mean that you should be able to sit down with someone and articulate how you were able to put into practice a change in your life uh, and are to share a truth from the Bible. That is communication, and that leads to teaching. If you're a Christian, God has endowed you with special gifts and knowledge, and you need to be able to teach them to your spouse and children. Teachers, by definition, have something to teach. If you think about this statement, every parent will be a teacher to their children and also to their spouse. Remember, everything God will call you to do in this world and to share with the world, he desires you to be able to do within your family first. Why should the outside world get all the best before your family? That is where you polish your discipleship talents first. You polish your ability to teach first. The purpose of the family. It is the purpose of the family. You start there. I would go to so far as to say that having the courage and the ability to teach or to communicate something is the most rewarding and self-confidence builder you can ever experience. Jesus taught his disciples for three years and then sent them out to teach and proclaim, all based on their knowledge and experience gained with him. Now understand this. There are some spouses that take offense at the thought of their spouse being able to teach them anything. You know who you are. If this is you, knock it off. One of the greatest attributes of Jesus and being a Christian is humility. If you are unteachable at the basic level from your parents and then the spouse, if you have an attitude of pride, remember, Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and haughty spirit, a haughty spirit before a fall. If you shut your mouth, genuinely listen to what your spouse is saying, I guarantee you will learn something, even if it's only how they feel and think. 
Iron sharpens iron. And since women are different from men in the attributes God blessed them with, see my episodes on one flesh, you can learn how a true one flesh operates and it prepares you to understand and minister to the opposite sex, including children. Your spouse can help you learn more about the opposite sex than any book ever could. Being teachable by your spouse will bring you closer together in the Lord and it enhances your listening skills. It is a sign of respect and lets them know that you value them for the complete person they are. By teaching, I don't mean in a sit-down formal teaching session for the most part, although it could be. Teaching often happens on the spur of the moment, maybe during a moment of disagreement, of sharing, in the bedroom, during a drive in the car, or just a moment of sharing his or her thoughts. I learned from my wife during prayer time, that is when her thoughts and heart are vulnerable and open to God. Pay attention. You'd be surprised what you may hear. Teachers should also have the attribute of being humble and being open to being taught, whether from God or through another person. Remember, if you know it all, then we can discard the Bible and read your book instead. But if you don't, as you teach, you should be open to correction. You never know when God might clarify something through the individual to whom you are speaking, and maybe they're not even a Christian. If someone else has a gift, whether they are believers or not, learn as much from them as you possibly can. Teachers know that the more they learn, the more they can teach others. A Christian teacher must teach the truth as presented by the Word of God. To teach the truth of the Word of God, one must first learn something about the Word. That is why once you become a believer, you start the adventure of learning about the Word and the truths the Word reveals to us. Even when you share with your spouse, you should be speaking the truth as God sees it. This builds to the trust that all spouses desire in a relationship. One of the most exciting parts about waking up every day and being a Christian is understanding that I don't know it all, but my God does. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know. But ask for knowledge, and God will grant that prayer. Every day is a new adventure, and every day you can be a little more like Jesus by being willing to learn and then willing to teach what you have learned. Remember, to teach it once is to have learned it twice. Teaching is also sharing, and as you teach and share, your communication skills will grow. And we all know that communication is a key to a happy marriage. Make sure to support each other at all times and make sure sharing is done with a godly spirit. Never put someone down. Lift them up with godly recommendations about how to improve. If they need to improve at all, sometimes just practice will help them improve. Their body is your body. Remember, then that means their body, soul, and spirit, all of it. Don't break their hearts by something that you say that's mean. You break their spirit and it will affect you one way or the other. The more you treat them as you want to be treated, as you want to be spoken to, as you want to be loved, the more you will grow as a godly and effective couple. It is the small things that add up to the larger things. Your example of communication will be a witness to others around you and will teach others just by them observing you. Marriage is so much more than grinding out the daily chores and looking forward to the weekend or the family vacation. It is growing in your relationship it is taking what you have learned as an individual with God and applying it to the next level. 
God ordained the marriage for us to multiply and have dominion. We must learn to do it according to God's plan, or we will produce only broken families and skewed dominion over our world. A world in which God told us to do on earth as it is in heaven. Next month, we will continue our teaching about the fivefold ministry attributes in our marriage. In the meantime, may God richly bless you and bring you closer to Him. Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can contact me at jandlow at godslovelanguage.com. God bless.